0: Amen. Take your copy of God's Word, if you will, this morning and turn to Haggai chapter 2. Haggai chapter 2, as we look at verses 10 through 14. I want to close out this little book. Now, I know there are some verses left that, w- that we could look at, and I had planned on doing that next week, but next week we're going to have a special treat. Next week, you are going to have one of the most influential, one of let me let me see how to say this. One of the representatives or the representative of the best theological seminary in the United, no, the world itself, Dr. Jamie Dew, the president of New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary, who just took his office back in the summer, will be here next week preaching for us. He called and told me he would Be coming up here and wanted to worship with us and I said good deal sounds like labor day weekend y'all to labor y'all to preach when you come and uh, So he's going to be with us and I'm going to go ahead and close out this series today I may look at the end of Haggai next Sunday night, but it's going to be a real treat I hope you mark your calendar for next Sunday as we come together to hear dr. Dew as he comes and preaches God's word to us But oh, isn't this little book a treasure? Haggai is about renewal and revival. It is about how we as God's people need to heed his word and once again check our priorities, start back to the work, and even know the cleansing power that God can bring in our lives. Haggai is all about renewal and revival. And I don't know about you, but there, there have been times in my life there have been recent times where I needed God to touch me afresh and new. I needed God to renew me. I needed to be refreshed. I needed to be cleansed. And I pray that through what he has spoken already, he has encouraged you, but he has challenged you. And I pray that this morning as we come together, that God will further challenge you. And that today in this place, if you come and you say, you know what, Reggie, I'm not at a place I need to be right now. I, it may look okay on the outside, but there is something inwardly that I'm, I'm struggling with. I'm just not where I need to be with my relationship with God. I pray that you would hear him today and that you would know a new cleansing, a refreshing spirit in your life. I pray that you would certainly be renewed. So let's look at the passage that we have before us, beginning in verse 10. Again, Haggai, he's talked to them about the priority. Remember the background of this book. He's called them to get about rebuilding the temple. They had allowed the temple to just lay waste for some time. Now they had built the altar and they had put the foundation of the temple down, but they had stopped the work. And according to chapter one, they were about their own business they were building their own homes. Their priorities were out of, out of whack. And God called them to get back to the work. And he encouraged them and he told them that he would be there with them. Again, he told them to look forward to some better days. He said that the glory of the latter will be greater than the glory of the former. In other words, I've got some good things for you ahead. I'm going to work in your life. And now he comes to challenge them. Some three months after they had begun the work, on December the 18th, that's what we're told in verse 10, December the 18th of 520 B.C. It says, on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying. So three months into the work, God comes and he confronts them through the prophet Haggai. He says, verse 11, thus says the Lord of hosts, Now asked the priest concerning the law, saying, If one carries holy meat in the fold of his garment, and with the edge he touches bread or stew, wine or oil, or any food, will it become holy? Then the priest answered and said, No. And Haggai said, If one who is unclean because of a dead body touches one of these, will it be unclean? And so the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Then Haggai answered and said, so is this people. And so is this nation before me, says the Lord. And so is every work of their hands. And what they offer there is unclean. Now, again, this is, it it begins to trouble our minds to try to understand this because this is a time so far removed from ours. We, we don't think about ceremonial cleansing today. We don't think about ritual purity like the Israelites did. So it can seem so out of place for us. But I want to try to connect it and, and remind you today of the cleansing that God wants to do in our lives and really how he challenges us in our uncleanness. So, so look what he says, okay? Three months, they've been working on the temple. So the word comes to Haggai and Haggai speaks to the priest. Why would he speak to the priest? Because the priests were the official keepers of the law. At this time in the life of Israel, the priests were the ones who knew all of the ins and outs of like Leviticus and Deuteronomy. They knew the law, they knew all the ceremonial, they knew all of the ritualistic purity codes, and they could answer the questions they would also serve as like inspectors. I don't know if you remember like in the New Testament, but when Jesus would heal a leper, he would say, now go show yourself to the priest because the priest would be that individual that would inspect the person to be able to say, yes, this individual is now ceremonially or ritually clean so he can participate in society. So here Haggai brings the word of the Lord and he addresses it to the priest the leaders, the experts in ritualistic purity. And he gives them this example. He says, let's say you've got some holy meat, and you've got it all wrapped up, and you're carrying it around. Let's say that the edge of that holy meat touches some other object. He says wine, oil, food, whatever, it touches some other object. Will that other object be holy just because it touched the holy meat. And the priest, again, the experts in this ceremonial law, the the priest said, no, you can't make something holy by just touching a holy object to it. You cannot just make it holy, make it clean. And then the question comes, but let me ask you this. Let's say something is holy— and it touches something that is unholy. For example, a corpse, someone who is dead. Now, again, if you look at the Levitical codes, you'll see that if you were to touch a dead body, you would become unclean. So the priests, they said, no, no, no. If you're holy or if you're clean and you touch something that's unclean, then you are contaminated. In a sense, ritualistically, you are impure. And he uses this analogy to say, and so are my people. Or actually, he doesn't even call them my people. He says, this people, this nation, they are defiled. They are unclean. So think about it this way. This is what I want to give you this day. If our hands are unclean, and I'm going to flesh this out, but think about it. If our hands are unclean, so is our work. Our work is unclean. So let's take it again to the people. They're building a temple. Would the temple be considered holy? Yes, you would think. Probably. Shake your head. This is a critical moment. where well, I need to know you're with me. Okay? Those of you in the gathering, I'm trying to see you, but would you shake your head? Would you do that? Okay. If you are building a holy temple and you touch the stone, you might be so proud of yourself because you're participating in the work, the holy work. And yet this is the case according to what this scripture says. Even though you would touch a holy stone does not mean you are holy. Just because you're involved in holy work does not mean you are holy, nor does it mean that the work itself is holy. So in other words... Some of us, we we try to touch holy things in order to cleanse ourselves, in order to think better of ourselves. When I say this, we come to church on Sunday morning. We participate in a holy gathering. And thus, you would think we would be holy or we would be fine. We, We try to go on mission trips. We try to do different things. But touching something with your life that is holy, does not automatically make you holy. And that's what he says here. But he says, if you are unclean, then that is something that contaminates the work itself. Is that not what he said in verse 14? He said, so is this people and so is this nation before me, and so is every work of their hands. In other words, your life is contaminated, and now you are contaminating the work of God. Do you realize how dirty hands can contaminate so much? I mean, when I go in the hospital or so, I'll come out. Some of you are in the medical profession now. I try to, I try to make sure that I use that stuff that they've got on the wall just to clean my, my hands. I don't do it in front of patients. But I do use it when I leave most of the time. I used to never do it. I used to never think about that because for me it really didn't matter. But now I go home and I have some children. So I think about those children. And I said, maybe I ought to wash my hands when I leave. So I'll do that. Although children don't, they don't think about washing their hands, do they? I mean, parents, come on, parents. somewhere along the line there's a testimony here. I mean, you think you, they come into the house and what do you say? You say, wash your hands. Why? Because you know that those hands have been everywhere. And you know that those hands can contaminate the food, they can contaminate the drink, they can contaminate everything. They could. They've been outside, they've been playing with uh, little geckos or lizards. Mm hmm. They've been digging in the dirt. They, they, they've been participating in all these extracurricular activities. And even on top of that, there is a mucus film across their fingers. Let it settle in on you just a moment. They can contaminate. Dirty hands can contaminate anything else. It, they, whatever they touch, they can contaminate things. There are times that we have dirty hands and we're trying to participate in the work of God, and yet what we're doing, we're contaminating the whole process. It matters, listen, it matters not just what we do, it matters who we are. Even if you're involved in building the temple, it still matters who you are. God wants to cleanse you, you can be functional. You can still participate in the things that you think you should do, and yet you can still be missing what God's intention is for your lives. Let me try to demonstrate another way. Jeremy, come up here just a minute. I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but come on up. Jeremy, come on. We on a time schedule? Move, move. So, Jeremy, I brought with me two cups from my house. Can you see these cups? Yes, sir. You can see them? Yes. They're both Nukes cups, because, like, we take free stuff wherever we can get it, all right? Uh Uh-huh. So, they both are from Nukes. Can you tell me about one of them is what? This one is? Clean and new. Clean and new. Let's let's speak there so they can hear you. It's clean and new, right? Clean and new, yes, sir. It is. It's nice. You know Mm -hmm. why? Because it came out of my shelf at home. And my wife and myself, we always try to participate in cleanliness and all of that, and and we had it washed. This one, you can tell it's nukes, but it's a little faded, right? I think you uh, ran over it? No, no. Oh, right. I didn't run over it. I, it's just been out in my garage though. <laughs> okay. It's been out there for a while. Yeah. Can you tell? Uh, yes. Um, spiders. Spiders, yes. Yeah. Spider webs and, and all of that. Leftover soda. No, it's not leftover soda. I'm getting to that. Just play along. Don't, don't <laughs> get too far ahead of me, please, Jeremy. So I've got two cups, and you can tell one's really clean. The other one's not so clean, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Uh, not Coke, not soda, but actually water. I put water, fresh water, in both of those this morning. Okay. They, that water came from the um, little water fountain here by the choir, which means they're drinking out of pure fresh water like the choir sounds, does, okay? That's good. Um, so let me ask you. One you want to choose to drink out of? Do I get to pick? (laughs) Which one would you pick? Uh, The new one. The clean one? You would? Yes, sir. But this one is, I mean, it holds water. Mm. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't point out, I should have told you this before, before you made the choice, but I also use this to scoop out my ant killer sometimes. (laughs) Hard pass. Okay. You wouldn't do that? You sure? What if I told you to do it? It is in my job description. To <laughs> <laughs> Number 12, other whatever du- other duties other is assigned duties by as senior assign pastor. It. That's right. Can we take a personnel vote real quick? Go sit down. I love you, okay. Jeremy. Go sit down. <laughs> the, um, <clears throat> no, what I want to point out is this. They're both functional. They both haul water. They can both do the work that they were designed to do, right? In some case, what were they designed to do? To hold water and you to drink out of it. But I promise you any day I would choose the clean one over the dirty one. And see, what is happening in our lives is we can still function. We have people here that can teach Sunday school or, as I said, go on a short-term mission trip. Or they can participate in all kinds of things. But you and I know there are times in our lives we're doing all that stuff and inwardly there are cobwebs and there's dirt and there's filth. We are defiled. We know that, right? There are times in our lives we go through the motions. And I would just want to say to you today that if our hands are clean or if our hands are dirty, they're unclean then all the work we're doing is for naught. It is, it is contaminated itself. That's what Haggai Hagia says. You're doing the work. You, you're doing it every day. You've been involved now three months in this construction, but you're still unclean. You're still defiled. Some of us are functioning, but our, our heart our hands are unclean. I will say to you also, if our hands are unclean, not only is our work unclean, but also our worship is unclean. Did you see what he said? He said, every work of their hands. And then he said, and what they offer there is unclean. So in other words, they are bringing sacrifices to the Lord. There's an altar. They're bringing sacrifices to the Lord. But God said, even their worship, even those sacrifices, even those offerings are unclean before me. If they're unclean, if they're defiled, so are their offerings. I thought about this as I thought about the first king of Israel, old King Saul. You know, Saul seemed to have some good intentions, but oh, how he could, how he could miss the point of God's word and God's Love and God's instruction. Do you remember, God sent him into battle and told him to destroy utterly utterly the Amalekites. To destroy them utterly. Leave nothing. So Saul goes in. He defeats the Amalekites according to God's plan and God's purpose. But what does he do? He leaves not only the king alive. He leaves even these best sheep and best oxen, all of this livestock. He has them. And Samuel comes to confront him. 1 Samuel chapter 15. You ought to read it afresh. It says Samuel comes in and Saul says something like, Hey, preacher, do you see what what I've done? I mean, it's awesome. I've, I've been obedient to the Lord. It's been good. And Samuel, the old preacher, says, If you have been so obedient, what is this bleeding that I hear in my ears? Oh, oh, those sheep, those oxen. Oh, Samuel, Samuel, just know those are for God. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to offer those to the Lord. I've saved the best for him. And then Samuel goes on to school, King Saul, in God's Expectations what God requires. And basically, this one phrase, one phrase sums it all up. Obedience is better than sacrifice. I would rather have you true to me, cleansed, obedient. I would rather have you any day plugged into who I am than simply bringing forth the offerings and the sacrifices of worship. You see, if we have unclean hands, our work is unclean in our worship. Even today, as we join together, we can, we can sing and yet we can still lift up unclean hands to the Lord. Oh, Reggie, if you just I sing in the choir now, you, you've been on us. We, I'm in the choir. I don't care if you're in the choir. Oh, yeah, I do. I want you in a choir, all right? Or, I'm in the gathering band. I I participate in the music. I play in the orchestra. I am grateful for that. But what I want to ask you today is not just do you come and play and function in the worship services, but have you had your hands and your heart cleaned before an almighty God? In the New Testament... We are taught to pray that, Lord, you would cleanse our hands. Lord, you would clean us. You would wash us. James chapter 4, verse 8. As James, the brother of Jesus, tells us about practical living, living from day to day. What he will say in this, in this way, he'll say, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. He says, draw near to God. Draw near to God. And if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. That is a promise, right? So when you come toward God, guess what? God's already there standing and he is ready today. And you, you can know the cleansing of Christ in your life. Cleanse your hands. There's an there's a part of this where we ourselves in our repentance are participating in the cleansing process. For example, Paul will write to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, and he'll say this, Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. He said there's a sense of where we remove ourselves from those things that are sinful in our lives. We are to cleanse our hands from all the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, Paul will say to the young preacher boy named Timothy, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. He says, if we are cleansed, we will be the vessel that we need to be to be utilized effectively for the kingdom. That's what he says. Now, you and I know, right, that we're not just out there to show off or to show our beauty. We understand that. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I gave you a, a life lesson on China. You remember that life lesson? I'm going to have to tell the story again. (laughs) About the China that when when we first got married, you know, people gave us stuff called China and how you don't ever use China. I learned that in my life. Like, you don't use it. You just, you got it there, you put it on the shelf. I really thought that when I preached on it two weeks ago, it would bring conviction and guilt to people in my household so that I'd eat off China that night. Didn't happen, by the way. There's some hard hearts around here, but, but we're not, we're not there. I, I told you then, we're not there to just look good to everybody else. We're not there for that. We are to be functional. But thanks be to the Lord when He wants to use us, He wants to utilize us in His kingdom. He also wants to clean us first so that we can be used more effectively. He wants to cleanse us. He wants us to wash our hands. Folks, I'm just telling you, we come this morning to this place and this needs to be a time some of us just wash our hands. We need to be cleansed. We need to pray, Lord, cleanse our hands. And listen, if you're going to have your hands clean, you're also going to have to have your heart cleaned because the two are directly related. I pray this morning, Lord, clean our hands. Give us clean hands. But I also know that those hands reflect the heart. Even in James, in chapter 4, verse 8, where it says, to cleanse your hands, you sinners, it also says, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Purify your hearts. See, I believe the implication of Haggai was to show the people that they had that they were unclean. But also that they would experience a new cleansing in their lives. For us, we recognize that there are parts of our lives that are just unclean. I mean, we may look good in, in public, but inwardly, privately, there's some stuff that just ought not to be there. There's stuff that's, that's causing filth. We need to clean our hands, but it's going to, become, it's going to come... From a clean heart. What did Jesus tell the Pharisees? Jesus said that first you cleanse the inside of the cup, inside of the dish, and then the outside of it may be clean as well. Because the Pharisees were like, okay, I'm looking clean, we got it all done, polished, everything's great. And Jesus said, no, 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 I'm not worried in just the outward appearance. I am concerned about the inside. Jesus said you must first cleanse the inside. Now, this is what I know. I know that when I come and accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, He washes me of my sin. He cleanses me. I believe that with everything I have. I believe that positionally... I become his child. Positionally, he has saved me and he has cleansed me. Why do I believe that? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 22, for example, says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. When I sat in front of that desk in my pastor's office and I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life, he came into my life and he cleansed me. He sprinkled my heart. He washed me in the blood. I believe that. And you know, I believe that my sins are under the blood. I believe he has cast them as far as the east is from the west, and he remembers them no more. I believe that I have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you believe it today, if you've accepted him, that means your sins have been washed. There's nothing else that could have cleansed you. There's nothing else that could have made up what Jesus could make up for you. Positionally, I am cleansed. But listen, friends, I believe that as I come to the Lord Jesus, as I think about my relationship, my fellowship with him, there have to be some renewing moments. Now, listen, my sins are always forgiven. I'm not saying that I'm not saying that somehow there's sin that's not under the blood. I I believe, again, that once you've accepted Christ, all your sin is under the blood of Christ. I believe that. But I also, from my understanding of the New Testament, I also understand that relationally, if I am where I need to be, there needs to be a new cleansing in my life, a refreshing, a renewing spirit in my life. There needs to be a time when I cry out like King David did and say, Create in me a clean heart, oh God. Create in me a clean heart. How do we experience cleansing in that relational fellowship type of, of existence? First John chapter 1, verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I love that word all, don't you? If we confess our sins, what does confession mean? Confession means literally to say the same thing as God says about sin in your life. That's really what it, the original word means to say the same thing. It means to say, God, I'm looking at this stuff in my life and I know you think it's unclean and it's dirty. And you know what, God, you are right. Right? I shouldn't be looking at this stuff on my television. I shouldn't be looking at this stuff on my computer or my phone. I shouldn't be doing these kinds of things. God, I know you are right in this case. And God, I know I'm functioning. I know I'm still going to church and I'm doing these things. But God, that's not made me holy. God, I need you to come in once again and to cleanse me and to wash me as white as can be. Relationally, I want to be back with you. I want to, Lord... I want to experience a clean heart. In every true revival, in every true revival that takes place, the people of God recognize that they have dirty hands and dirty hearts. And they cry out to him, Lord, give us clean hands. Lord, give us clean hearts. You are not holy, you are not clean just because you walked into this building today. No more than these individuals were holy by touching the stones of the temple. You are not holy because you are functioning in different ministries. The only way to be holy is through Christ Jesus. I ask you this morning, one, Have you accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Because there has to be a starting point. You have to come and you have to have the inside clean. If you've never accepted him, would you come today? Give your life to him? Folks, there are several of us in this place that we're saved. I know we're saved. I know you're saved. But our lives are not aligning toward his will toward his purposes. We are not the set-apart people we should be. Instead, we have become contaminated. And there's filth and there's dirtiness. But hey, you may feel like you're alone in this place. Don't you feel like you're alone? Many of us have struggled with different things like this in our lives. But we also know the cleansing power of the Lord Jesus. We know That if we confess our sins, (laughs) he is faithful and just. That means he does what he says he will do. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. The heavenly detergent that is applied to our lives to cleanse us from A-L-L, all unrighteousness during this moment of invitation would you stop maybe here at this altar you need to be maybe there where you are would you pray with us today Lord give us clean hands give us clean hands Lord give us clean hearts create in us a clean heart Would you pray that God would renew us afresh through the washing of his word and the washing of his spirit this morning? Would you respond as God calls you? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for these moments. God, I pray right now that you would speak to us in a loud and clear way. God, there are some of us in this place today that we know this message was tailored for us. God, we know that today you want to do an inner work of cleansing. God, we may look okay on the outside, but God, if we were true with you this morning, if we were honest with you this morning, we know that there's some stuff you've got to clean up inwardly today not for our salvation. Some of us, we know we're saved, but Lord, for our service, for our fellowship, for our relationship with you. God, I pray in just a moment when we extend this invitation that people have the freedom and the courage to either come to this altar, to come there in the gathering, Lord, to, to pray with ministers or, or maybe right where they are, just call out to you. Because God, we know we can't really clean ourselves up. I know... What it says in the New Testament about us cleansing ourselves, but Lord, that we know that is always presupposed on the Spirit of God in our lives doing a work and activity. And God, this morning we're dependent on you. Cleanse us now, wash us, help us to be the holy people, set apart people for you. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?